World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Two, one, record. Hello, welcome to this episode of Creepy Pasta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. I know it's cold out there in January, unless you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case, boy, it's the middle of summer. I'm sorry for, you know, the heat. But, you know, it could be worse. You could be in the Northern Hemisphere, where it's the middle of winter. It's hard to, it's weird to think that if you lived in Australia, uh, you would be celebrating Christmas as a summer holiday. Um, and they're far enough south that I believe they also have, you know, a normal winter from <laughs> June to August. Uh, I guess it probably depends. You know, it's a pretty big island. Anyway, we're not talking about Australia on this episode. We're talking about a no sleep story posted by, boy, I just looked at the username for the first time. It's you are a cat AMA on Reddit, and they posted this story November 4th, 2012, so more than six years ago by the time you're hearing this. It is called Monster in the Forest, and for some reason there is a full stop after forest. There's a period at the end of the title, which is unusual. Uh, anyway, with me to discuss this story, returning from last week and the week before that, and many other episodes that were not sequentially in the weeks before that, but more generally in the weeks before that. Please welcome back Alex Capello. Hey, creeps. Now, this story, uh, please tell me what happens in it, and then also explain it to me, because I don't think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the, the, the plot twist isn't very well written, so it's a little awkward. So, um, things are not going well for the narrator and his wife. Um, the company he worked for has gone bankrupt, and he was getting paid under the table, so he doesn't technically have any real unemployment history, nor can he collect on unemployment. Uh, so, you know, times are tough. You gotta pay the bills, he's got two kids to feed, and he's real... He's all about that macho, I gotta provide for my family nonsense. Oh, also this story um, takes uh, was written before uh, Obamacare uh, made it so that insurance companies can't drop you for getting sick. Uh, oh, it was? I thought it was after. Oh, that's an, a very important plot yeah, point. <laughs> no, that's I, well, I'm reading through the comments, but also I, someone mentioned Obamacare, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you wrote this comment before that was actually passed, which was in 2014. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. wow. Uh, yeah, so the, narr the narrator's starting to get a little desperate with money um, when he finds a Craigslist ad saying, weekly physical labor needed, earn $1,000 or more a week, heavy labor, call this person at this number. So he calls the number because he just wants, he just, he just needs money at this point. And apparently there's this old man who put out this ad and this old man wants some four by four by eight foot deep holes dug on 
on his property to catch a monster that apparently lives in the woods surrounding this old man's property. And the old man says each hole take about three days to dig because the soil on his land is apparently the worst. And, you know, the narrator speculates that this old this old dude probably has some mental issues, but he goes out to the property for work anyway. When he gets there, uh, the old man that he spoke to on the phone is nowhere in sight, but he finds an envelope taped to the door with his name on it and a note, which is uh, contains a day's pay. So he figures, all right, seems legit. Get $300 and some change every time I show up to dig a hole. Also, he mentions... Let's get to digging. He, he mentions specifically, uh, th- because this is a Reddit post, we know he's writing it after the events, and he says that the old man is insane, there's no monster in the forest. So um, that kind of threw me for a loop, having that near the beginning. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. Okay, so you called it Monster in the Forest. And then you're telling us the story of what happened in the forest, but now we know not to expect there to be a monster in the forest. There's no monster. Okay. There's no monster here, cool. folks. Just a regular old forest and some holes to be dug. Yeah. Um, so a month goes by, and it's pretty much the same day in, day out. He never sees the old man. There's always just an envelope with cash and a note taped to the door when he gets there. He'll dig for, he digs for two days, takes a day off, and to the narrator, it seems like a pretty sweet gig since it paid better than his construction work and he can still be home in time for dinner with his family. Sounds great. Um, He'd occasionally check in on the holes that he had previously dug around the property and you know, some would be caved in, some would be as is, but, you know, he noted that none of them were converted into booby traps like the old man had said they would yeah. be. Eventually, the old man, the property owner, hires a second guy to help dig another 120 holes. Around this time, the narrator's wife gets diagnosed with cancer and their health insurance drops them, which is why <laughs> Obamacare not being in effect is a very important yeah. point. <laughs> Um, so, you know, time passes and the number of remaining holes dwindles down to 50 and the narrator understandably starts wondering what's going to happen when there are no more holes left to dig with all of these insane medical expenses that they're going to have. Um, he finishes early one day and notices his coworker is still digging. So he walks over by his coworker's hole, pulls up the ladder, waits two weeks and then fills in the hole. Yep. And he's like, I was the monster in the forest. The old man was right. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <sighs> Dumb. Dumb twist. Just gonna say it. Very bad. Um, it's really bad. It's the worst twist. I thought the story was interesting and well-written, but the, there's a couple reasons why this twist doesn't work. One, the guy had a shovel. He just... Right? He could, he could easily... It's nine feet deep. I assume this guy's about six feet tall. That means your your yeah. arms are going to be, like, around two feet. That means he could yep. probably jump up and reach the edge with his hands. And if not, yeah. he could dig some footholds into the wall with the shovel that he has and climb out. No yes. problem. Yes. Especially because the soil is very specifically described as being very, very hard. Yeah. So it's not like any footholds and handholds he dug into the wall of the hole would collapse on him. Like, there, there are 
so many ways this other dude could have gotten out of his hole. He would not have just immediately succumbed to death by hole exposure. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like, why? And also, the fact that he doesn't explicitly tell us that the guy died. It's like, you just did you just scare him away or something? Like, what's going on? This is true. I mean, maybe, like, he just, you know, I guess maybe the narrator was just like, well, let nature take his course. If he can get out of the hole, fine. If not, oops, I killed a guy. Either way, I still get more money. Maybe. Yeah, it's so... Especially, we don't find out how much the other guy was making. And he's already making, like, two thousand, a thousand or two thousand dollars a week, depending on how many holes he's doing. Yeah, yeah, the narrator said he was averaging, like, a hole every two days, and then, like, a day of rest, so he's usually making, like, $2,000 a week. $2,000 and $2,300, something like that. Yeah, it's, like, because he gets the the $3.33 and $0.33, and then the next day he gets $6.66 and $0.66, which is about a thousand, it's a penny short of a thousand (laughs) dollars. And it's, like, so... All right, for two days' work, you've got a thousand dollars. That seems like at that point, don't be greedy. And we hadn't haven't had any indication that this dude is in any way monstrous, aside from him for some reason at the end deciding, oh, I'm gonna kill my coworker and then hide the body, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean. I don't know if, like, that... I don't know if passively killing somebody even qualifies as being monstrous. Yeah, it's... Not that I'm condoning killing somebody, but, I mean, we're not talking about, like, Ted Bundy level of serial murder or something. Yeah, he does it in such a detached way that it also does not read as monstrous to me. He just, like, takes the ladder and leaves. He's not, like relishing murdering this guy right and it's arguably like a more a much much more extreme version of the whole stealing food to feel your star feed your starving family conundrum like he's doing it to save his wife's life maybe well i guess he's but yeah he still killed a dude he's doing it because he loves killing <laughs> it's like why put him in this situation where it seems like a not a while not a reasonable thing to do a like understandable thing to do why bother putting him in that situation where he yeah. has a motivation to do it if you're going to be like no his motivation is that he loves to do murder <laughs> like what's what's the point of that narratively speaking it's not it's nothing yeah it, it's it's nothing there's it would probably be like another thing if there was some other little side plot or whatever where he's stashing body parts in each of the holes he takes. I don't know. That's also a terrible idea. I'm not a writer. (laughs) It's, yeah, there's just like it's so it starts out really interesting because you're like what is gonna be the horror here and you are yeah like i was listening to it and it just sort of abruptly ends when you're reading it you get a full page and you scroll down and you get a second full page and then you scroll down and halfway through the second full page the story is just over in three or four sentences what why where (laughs) 
you were building up to that? That was nothing. Yeah, it just, it comes out of nowhere. There's no real foreshadowing for that twist. Like, the main sense of dread is this guy is just trying to get money for his family. And, I mean, that's also a really huge leap, though. You know, trying to do what you gotta do to get money to support your family and passively murdering a person. Yeah, it's it's the opposite of the story we discussed a few weeks ago, Autopilot, where at the end of that story, the twist was, like, really cool, and so I went back and read, uh, like, looked at other parts to be like, ooh, is this really, like, what happened? Like, to kind of almost check the author's work, and yeah, it was all their solid details. With this one, I went back and I'm like, what? Was there any indication that this would happen earlier? It's literally in the same paragraph that he says his yeah. wife was diagnosed with cancer. That's the first sentence of the paragraph, and the last sentence of the paragraph is saying that he grabbed the ladder and walked away. What? You, you gotta give me... <laughs> you gotta build something in there. Yeah, and then there's, like, the whole mystery about the old man, the property owner, that's just completely forgotten and neglected. Like, why even make this old man such a mysterious character if it's not going to go anywhere? Like, it's, I guess it's a very obvious red herring, but, I mean, I want to know if this old guy was just a really, really bad jigsaw copycat. Yeah, yeah, the old guy seemed like he was going to be the monster or something, but... No, he was just a crazy old guy who thought that he could trap monsters in big holes. Yeah. Also really hanging a lantern on the fact that this is uh, the uh, sort of almost exactly like the young adult novel Holes. Like, they say explicitly, like, maybe he's trying to recreate the book Holes, where they were looking for treasure in the desert. It's like, yeah, no, I got that it was pretty much like Holes. You didn't need to say in there. Like, even down to the, the like, size of the Holes was roughly the same as in Holes. They had to be, uh, I think That's in Holes true. they're specifically supposed to be a shovel wide and a shovel deep. Um, in this, they're, you know, a little less than a shovel wide and a little more than a shovel deep, but, you know, still. Uh, it's like, I don't know, don't wear your influences on your sleeve. And, like, I mean, wear them on your sleeve, but, like, you don't have to have, like, if you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt, you don't need it to have a bunch of text on it that's like, this is a palm tree. <laughs> Like, Hawaiian shirt. This is my Hawaiian shirt in amongst the palm fronds and flamingos are, and hibiscus flowers. That's a coconut. This uh, is it's my got Hawaiian an arrow shirt. pointing to the coconut. <laughs> like, no, we get it. We knew it was a coconut. We can see you're wearing it. To continue the, to way overextend the metaphor of wearing your influences on your sleeve. Um, <laughs> it's like, we, you, the author simultaneously, no, not simultaneously. The author, does one thing and that's treat the audience like we're stupid um because it's and they don't even do that well though which is the funniest part about it yeah it just treats us like 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 he's trying to trick us i don't i don't like to yeah. feel like a story is trying to trick me it's it's really hand feeding me all of this 
all of these details about what the story is like and what the old guy is like and that kind of stuff. And then at the end, it tries to do this twist and it doesn't justify and it just doesn't work like at all. Also, yeah. if this hole's only five feet wide, he could literally just put his feet on one side and his hands on the other and climb up. This is also true. Uh, there's so many goddamn... Holes. Plot holes. I got halfway through the sentence and was mad at myself. There's so many holes in this whole story. It's it's really it it just bothers me from a narrative construction uh, standpoint because you don't have to make a story bad. You could make it good instead. You could, it's very simple. Yeah, like you could choose to write a good story. Just like send it to a, instead of going left, go yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> send it to a buddy and have them read through it and be like, "Hey, is this story good? Please be honest with me. If you don't think it's good, tell me the things that you don't think are good about it." And if you have, you know, a friend who likes to read books, you you could probably figure. They'll probably know. They'll probably be able to tell you what they do or don't like about it. Because the way you get good at reading and at knowing. How stories are constructed is by consuming a lot of stories and reading a lot of stories. And this, I mean, it's fine as far as like, you know, a writing exercise. It's competently constructed from a grammar standpoint. It's just that the narrative flow isn't really great. Uh, you know what? That's not even necessarily true. I felt compelled by what was happening to this character. But then it turned out that nothing was happening to this character and there was nothing at the end and it went nowhere. Yeah. It's like, if you... You gotta have more than a premise. You gotta have a destination. And you'll land there if you if you want to. But you can't just start writing and then be like... Uh, or... What am I trying to say? If you're writing a story to try and get to a destination, you need to make sure the things you're writing are actually leading to that destination, which this guy yeah. clearly had the destination in mind and didn't bother leading there, and instead wrote a pretty good story about something else that ends in the middle with a non sequitur. <laughs> yeah, that, that basically hits the nail on the head of the whole thing. Like, there's, It's not poorly written. Like, There, there have been many other stories that are much, much more poorly written than this one and much less effective but yeah it's just you know you're traveling down a road and it's a nice road there's some cool scenery and whatnot and then all of a sudden the road just stops and you tumble off a cliff yeah yeah it's like i i wonder if the author just was like i don't know how to end this <laughs> Because that's kind of what it. But even if that was like. the case, like even if that was the case, there would have been several more compelling ways to end it. Like yeah. he could have, he could have, like the author. I'm sorry, I'm assuming the author is a he. Well, that's the main character thing. is, so that's usually why. Yeah. Why that happens? <laughs> well, like the um, the author could have brought back the old man. Like, okay, well, maybe the old man is insane, but the old man's actually the monster, and the old man beans each of them in the back of the head with a shovel at some point. Even that would have been a slightly more effective way to end the story. Yeah, I also, in general, don't like stories where the twist is that the narrator is the bad guy. It's it's so hard to pull off that twist that I just yeah I'm like don't don't do it. My advice, if you're an author listening to this and you have the thought that you want the narrator of your story to be the bad guy, 
Um, don't have it be a twist, like either establish from the beginning that that's what's happening or like slowly reveal it through the story, right. but don't like, don't have it be a last second reveal that actually the whole time the bad guy was the narrator, especially if you're not really hinting at it at all ever. And you just make him seem <laughs> like you just make the main character seem like he's a normal guy. And then suddenly, uh, you decide, no, he loves to do murders, but only a little bit and passively. Only tiny murders. In a way that doesn't make only, sense. Only murders where he doesn't get his hands dirty and requires severe ineptitude on the part of his victim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Murders where basically it might as well not even be a murder because there's like, I'm not even sure if, like, if the, if the police <laughs> caught caught him aside from him burying the body it could just be like he could just be like it was a prank that went wrong and the police would be like well he obviously could have gotten out of this hole we'll charge you with uh, like manslaughter at most yeah or it could have been like oh you know his hole must have collapsed in on him whoops as evidenced by the several collapsed holes also on this property oh no I wonder if that was supposed to be a hint that it was like uh, um the like he was killing other people who worked there. That would have been much more interesting had had there been any indication that of been it. added yeah. in. Yeah, it, like if if the narrator had mentioned other people like coming and going that were hired by the old man, that like maybe they showed up and dug a couple holes, and then he didn't see them again after that. Ooh, yeah, like that would have helped that out a little bit too. I think. There's also a lot of comments of other people being confused about who the monster is. Uh, this one from Shadow Katie. Wait, <laughs> I still don't get it. The guy whose wife has cancer takes away the ladder from his coworker and lets him die, so he is the monster? What does the old rich guy have to do with it? Why does he want holes? Am I overthinking this? Exactly. It's like, if that is the reaction you're getting to your story, you did a bad job. Um, and you didn't, you didn't proofread this enough and you didn't workshop this enough, my yeah. guy. I, I think that's a general issue with creepypasta. Like, unless you nailed it the first time, or you are a professional writer, and so you, like, revise and edit and workshop your stories, um, it's just your first draft, and you throw it out there and you post it, and, like, it's a roll of the dice whether it's going to be good or not. Most people's <laughs> first drafts aren't sometimes, you know, pretty good. I imagine the longer ones probably get at least revisions, but even some of them, yeah. some of them don't hold together that great narratively. <sighs> Yeah, especially, like, those long series ones that go on forever and ever. Yeah, like... Like, Baraska. is really well written. Did you see in the Facebook group someone wants us to talk about Baraska, the sequel to Baraska, Baraska 5? Um, I didn't... Wait, what? There's another yeah, one? I didn't know that there was another part. It came out, like, a few years after. Oh, my. Um, but, uh, I, I, I haven't read it, and I don't know if I want to cover it, but... Um, Maybe we need to do a Baraska reunion episode. Yeah, I'm going to record with Emma next, no, in a couple weeks. Uh, So maybe I'll get the two of you back together in the new year to talk about, or like in the winter to talk about Baraska 5. Uh, But we'll 
discuss that later. I I don't <laughs> want to. It's a three hour and thirty eight minute story on Mr. Creepypasta Story Time. Oh my goodness! So it's extremely long. That is like oh yeah, that's about half the length of like a full length audiobook novel. Like I have Breakfast of Champions in my Audible library. That's like six and a half hours long. That's a it's oh, a wow. full book. Uh, good good job, Baraska author. Yeah. Yeah, good job, C.K. Walker. I think they, uh, she, I think C.K. Walker's a woman. Yeah. Uh, I think she writes books uh, that are, that like do well on Amazon. Uh, this is interesting. I was searching Baraska V, which is the official title of this Baraska. And July 27th, 2015, C.K. Walker on Facebook asks, Do you guys want a part five for Baraska? <laughs> cool. Oh, boy. Yeah, I guess people did, and so you wrote it. Thanks. Because we all needed that. <laughs> uh, so what's the spookiest part of this uh, monster in the forest story for you? Uh, oh, man. Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say, and this is maybe not canon for the story, but I'm going to go ahead and say the spookiest part is that... The narrator's co-worker escaped from the hole and did not report the narrator to the police. Yeah, that's definitely must have... That must be what happened. Uh, right? There's, there's no other explanation. Nothing else makes any sense. Uh, so, I think that my spookiest part is sort of the... It, it is undercut almost immediately, like many of my spookiest parts. But when the narrator goes to the house and finds a second envelope, I'm like... The, just the, the sort of dread and mystery of what's going to be in that envelope was very interesting to me because I, I think that the story uh, built up an interesting mystery about why why is this guy digging these holes and oh, then, yeah. you know, didn't do anything with the mystery so it ends up being disappointing but, you know, while you're in it it, it, it was it, it was working for me while I was in it and then just, you know, didn't go anywhere and stopped in the middle <laughs> uh, that's all we have to say about Monster in the Forest. Let's get into plugs. Where can the people reach you online in the ways that you would like them to do so? All right, you can find me on Twitter at Lovelark and on Instagram at Rose underscore Lark, both with a C. I am Twitter J3FK, Snapchat, Instagram JeffJK, Patreon.com slash JeffJK. $1 a month gets you a bunch of stuff, audio treats, stuff I've written. You can go to weaponizedlanguage.com for more episodes of this show. Seeing Reddit is probably still still going on by now. I can't imagine that we've quit, but you know, this is six months from now that this episode's going up, so who knows? Uh, could have happened. I think that's, oh, Creepypods the fan group on Facebook. You can suggest stories. You can chat with other fans about horror stuff. Uh, I just, <laughs> the, there have been rules in effect when you're hearing this for like six months now, but I just like established rules for the group uh, to sort of give guidelines for as we hopefully grow. Uh, join up. It's fun. It's a good time. That's, uh, that's all there is for this. The old man is right. There is a monster in the forest. 